is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Adrian, and with me, as always, are my esteemed colleagues, co-hosts, and cohorts, Jake, Doug, and Adam. Boy, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Hello, mutant goons from beyond. If you don't know my voice, it's Jake. I didn't announce myself. And uh, I'm Doug, and I want to say buenos noches or buenos dias or whatever time of day it is you're listening to. Hey, goons. Hope you're feeling squishy today. I got puddle pants over these movies. I don't want to know what that means. means I'm moist. (laughs) (laughs) So what are we doing this week? Okay, so this week we are doing a twofer, I guess we have uh, for our Femme Fatale February, we have Teeth, and we also have Frankenhooker, yay! So I'll take full blame for both of these movies, because I just thought, hey, Femme Fatale month, let's go with the girl with the toothy vagina and everything, there we go, and I thought one of four hosts had to like the movie, I feel like that was a fair gamble. And as we're talking, we're like, nah, not good. And so I was like, well, why not do Frankenhooker as well? Which sounds like I'm trying to dig my own grave, but I actually think I redeem myself a little bit, right, everyone? I would have gladly taken the blame for Frankenhooker myself. I'm so stoked to be doing this film. It's going to be a fun one. Says the guy in the Frankenhooker shirt. I'm representing. Ah. Yeah, so this brings back some childhood memories because uh, I remember when I first seen Frank and Hooker, I was on uh, that I was on that basket case kick. So you know what I mean. I was expecting the sleaziness and the gore and not so much comedy, and it kind of turned me off at first. But rewatching it again recently, and then a few years ago, I watched it. I'm like, man, this is this is some good stuff. This is untapped comedy, and this that was made during the time of when when Dare programs were big. Yeah, uh, like in the early '90s. So you know that's kind of ballsy to make. So super crack, right? Yeah, that's kind of ballsy to make like crack <laughs> like that. You know, a joke. You know what I mean? But they, they were, it seemed like they were actually smoking. That's some pretty real looking crack to me. <laughs> Seriously. And Adrian, you'd never seen Frankenhooker before, right? No, no. I had no idea it even existed. I mean, and I loved horror movies, so this was fun. But I'm not big into like kind of the sleazier ones. So I, I knew what I was getting into and I stepped into it, but I was pleasantly surprised. Because I'm I'm very wary of stuff like that where it's like sexually exploitative. Like I don't like I, I think that Porky's is cringier than most horror films. Like I usually don't vibe on that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so when this was sold to me in my youth, I was like, I don't this is probably gonna be a little but then this is empowering. And so this is my thesis for this episode. Frankenhooker, 10 times, if not more so, empowering than teeth. The woe-begotten teeth. So let's just get this flim-flam floozy out of the way, shall we? Let's sink our teeth in. (laughs) Ouch. Chomping at the bitch for that one. I have no salt. (laughs) So can somebody please walk us through this? Because I really don't think I can. Yeah, no, I know. Teeth was uh, teeth is terrible. I remember it being horrible when I watched it years ago, but I was probably super drunk and just forgot everything about it because I was like, oh, this is even worse than the first watch. Every rose has its thorns is the uh, the tagline on the poster. That mo- that tagline is so off kilter that I, I like for a second. I was like, wait, but but her name is Dawn. It's not Rose. Where the fuck did that tagline come from? Well, her vagina is the rose. No, I was gonna say with with teeth, yeah. it's um, I I don't hate it either. I just find it uh, it's it, it's too long and it's it's kind of waxing its own carrot. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like get on oh, with yeah. it, come on, come on. And the thing is, for a movie called Teeth, 
And it's under, I believe, the Dimension Extreme label on the DVD. I'm expecting to see at least shots of the vagina with teeth or something. They, they never yes. show it. They never show it. So actually, this goes to my theory of the movie. So, for instance, we did a whole month on cysts. So I'm obsessed with that, right? If you had a movie called Cyst and the cyst just was under a shirt the whole time, why do I give a shit? It's too esoteric for me to care in this kind of... It's too subdued and it's too overt. And so it's in this weird middle ground where I'm like, okay, I get none of the gratification. I get none of the camp. But then you have these like hyperbolic situations. But here is my thing. If this was a killer penis movie, the very nature of a phallus is that it is a protuberance into your face, if you will. So it has to be overt. But a vagina can keep to itself and be subdued. So it's behind the curtain, the labia, if you will. That is the movie. Um, okay. I'm well, craving Arby's roast beef sandwich now. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> With extra horseradish sauce. But, but. <laughs> what I want to say about this one, it, this movie to me, and I know I always compare everything to fucking David Lynch. This is David Lynch directing kids. Mm. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's what I feel this is. <laughs> well, okay, but what's his name? Oh, Lichtenstein. Is that how you say it? Lichtenstein? Mitchell. I feel like that's uh, that's a fake name. Mitchell Lichtenstein. He did not want to show the toothy vagina. He said that I was trying to create a heroine and not a monster. The teeth would have been probably a violent and ugly image that I didn't want to associate with her. Never mind that I watched about like five severed penises in this film with the blood gushing out, which I thought was great because that's cathartic for me. Also, <laughs> if teeth are really so reviled, why does she have them in her mouth in the whole movie? Yeah, but they don't look like her teeth. They look like shark teeth. Remember they show the tooth later? Doesn't have to be. That's what I'm saying. If the idea of a bony white jagged thing is so wrong she should be gumming everything the whole movie there's some inconsistencies here well okay but i'm just telling you that's what he said yes it would have been nice to see the vagina but at that point we get into like hokey b movie type stuff right like if we saw a toothy vagina and the fact that it's based on like a story that's kind of real not real but that people like tell this story to begin with to me i didn't even realize that until i sort of googled it for a second i'm like oh my god and but that would be great though that would be a great uh tool for women if we could do that because then obviously we wouldn't be assaulted anymore but then you'd have like the crazy ones that just be biting your dicks off left and right like i like that she gets to pick and choose serial dick killer over here that'd be great oh sorry did i say that all <laughs> Well, uh, you want to know what? If if teeth didn't tickle your fancy, there is a South Korean film, I think, from 2007. I have it like on a burnt DVD somewhere. It's called Killer Pussy. <laughs> and her vagina kind of comes out with teeth and it goes very trans. Very subtle. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's called, that's Killer fun. Pussy. <laughs> so, we should have watched that. Can we go back? Patreon. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I'll have to find it. I don't. I'll, maybe I'll find it to see if I can upload it to YouTube or something. Yes. But yeah, it's, it's hard to find. And I think you got more teeth, killer vagina in the in the cartoon. If you remember, drawn together, ah. the Disney princess had the teeth with the tentacles coming out all the time. Super hentai pussy. That's awesome. Yeah, super hentai pussy. So Mitchell Lichtenstein is openly gay, and I think that this movie needed that character because I've had so many discussions with gay friends who espouse the rhetoric that vaginas are subversive and evil. Because, like I said before, a phallus is out in the open. Meanwhile, behind the labia are secrets and evil, according to some of my gayest of friends. And so whether it's toxic disease or teeth, 
I think that it would be hilarious to have that gay character who's like, I fucking knew it. Uh, this is what I've been thinking my whole life. Gold star penis sucker over here. I have never once had a gay man tell me that my vagina was scary, but okay. <laughs> really? What? Isn't there anal yeah. dentata? <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. My pussy never came up though. I'll have to say, I will say that. So um, anyway. You've literally never had a gay man do the, uh, I never trust anything that bleeds for nine days and doesn't die routine. <laughs> no, I've never had a gay man. And I'm surrounded by gay men constantly. I love you, Braga, Nico, and Robert. And it doesn't matter. Like, I've never had one comment about my vagina like that. Not once. Or vagina in general. They are the most boring gay men I've oh ever seen. Oh, my God. <laughs> Singer of my band used to tell me horror stories, nightmares he used to have about them. About vaginas? Yes. Oh, my God. Anyway. I mean, if, if you look at it in direct sunlight, I don't know. Maybe it's like ew, like an alien. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, that's like a direct, <laughs> like if you're out at the beach spread eagle or something and you have people just looking close. I'm like, okay, I can see where it's getting a little weird. Well, you know, but okay, so I get it as far as people like being scared of the vagina, because we're always taught growing up that, you know, women have this like this flower and you can't show it. Nobody's allowed to touch it, blah, blah, blah. You're not allowed to touch it. Whereas guys could just walk around with their dick everywhere. Nobody gives a fuck about that. Like boys are whipping it out in grade school now. It's like ridiculous. So it's just everywhere, which is that must be nice to just be able to pee wherever you (laughs) Okay, that's a sexist term. I'm not going to let you use the ridiculous rhetoric on this show. It's revagious. Well, no, I see where you're coming Whatever. from. I mean, I mean, back when uh, Harambee, that gorilla was shot at the Cincinnati Zoo, they had that whole thing dicks out for Harambee. And I remember people were just pulling their dicks out in the streets. Yep. <laughs> see? And, oh, and then the no idiot that out. just went streaking on the football field over Super Bowl. Like, come on. That's not streaking. He wasn't like, naked. praising him. Well, he looked terrible, but that's beside the point. I have literally no idea what you're talking about. So let's go back to this movie that none of us like, shall we? Did you guys notice just like so much prevalence and just so many establishing shots on the nuclear power plant? Like I wanted to talk about that. There's like so many levels to that. But then not enough. That's the problem. Like it's that's one of the things that frustrates me because like i love that imagery like, anybody who grew up with the simpsons is like mm-hmm. oh exactly. yeah i like blinky the fish or winky or whatever the goddamn name is and so i wish that they had like this is where it should if it was campy lean into that and it's an irradiated mutant vagine that's way more interesting than the subdued half-assed bullshit i liked the the subtleness to it but did you also notice like after she was raped the first time when she's riding home the stacks or the the cooling towers, there's black smoke coming out. That doesn't happen with those. Black smoke's only if there's a fire in the reactor. I thought that was a nice touch. I don't know if you guys caught that. Okay, but so what you're saying, so for people listening, what you're saying is that the stacks are what caused her not, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's a deformity. I feel like it's her uh, superpower at some point, right? So. Okay, so what's Spider-Man? Radioactive, bruh. You're trying to say he's deformed? No, I'm not saying he's deformed. He's a I'm fucking sure he, American hero. I'm sure his penis is great. I mean, what do you want me to say? Excuse <laughs> me, his web shooter? <laughs> I can usually unload seven loads of cum and like Spider-Man. What was that, a greasy strangler? 
Um, but one thing I gotta say too, okay, with the whole like you said, with the whole um nuclear reactor uh, stacks in the back, did they have nuclear reactor stacks back in like the ancient times when she reads that book about vag- vagina dentata? You know what I mean? I'm like, so what what are the nuclear reactors for? So this yeah. took place in the Stargate universe, and it was the aliens reactors that caused the ancient vagina dentata. Right? We've solved it canonically. James Spader. And the tooth vagina are in the same cinematic universe. Mm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, That's the best I got. You motherfuckers. (laughs) So shot on a budget of $2 million. It makes a pittance of $2,340,000. But this is more of a festival film and released to video. So it was all the craze for a quick minute. Yeah, it won some stuff at Sundance. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like teeth in general, like this is one that your aunt or someone would even know about. They're like, did you ever see that movie about the movie with the teeth and the vagina? A lot of people know about it. A lot of people know the name, but they've never sat down and actually watched the movie. They just say, you know, there's a movie about a killer vagina. Yeah. So it's like the movie Clown, right? Where it's like people know what the premise is. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, it's a movie where the guy gets stuck in the clown costume and turns into a monster. Yeah, because that's all that all that happens in it. And it should that movie was a short and became a film. This movie should have been a short and never made into a film because this is like a thesis statement. There's no movie here. It's just like, hey, wouldn't it be crazy if this lady had a toothy vagine? Mm-hmm. It was a short originally, too. So this was. Yeah, this was. Yeah. On yeah. the um, on the DVD, it has like short. I don't know if it was like how Sam Raimi did with Evil Dead, where he made this short that people weren't meant to see except like investors or okay. you know, dentists that were supposed to give him money so but but yeah that, that's what i said like i feel like it ran better as a short than it did a movie yeah and that's with any of these right was it like oculus was a short grace was a short and they were all great and what was that movie where they turn off the lights lights out oh lights, lights out, out. Yeah. that one wasn't bad i really liked right. it because she had avenge sevenfold posters all over her room so i did like that one but for that reason only. I don't know if it was a good movie or not. I can't remember. But. I'm going to be honest. I came <laughs> home from the theater that night and turned the lights on. Call me what you will. It happened. Oh, but that's fine. Uh, but the fact is, is that the movie itself, you're right. It's it's only 88 minutes, but it does feel a lot longer. I tracked it. It's 36 minutes until something happens. And it's not even her vagina or anything attacking. Well, I guess it's sort of her vagina attacks at the beginning, right? Where she... She bites the uh, stepbrother, which is the most filthiest, disgusting thing about this entire movie is that her fucking nasty nip-tuck motherfucker brother is, in order for him to get bit, he had to have fingered her as a little girl. Yes. And I think that is the most disturbing part about this entire film. Yup. Mm-hmm. Could we have done without it? I don't know. I, I I don't like visiting things where kids are being abused like that. Nope. Uh, much less women, because she's assaulted twice in this movie. Three times if yep. you count the old man at the end. And it's like everybody like around her is just disgusting, except for her stepfather is the only redeemable man in this movie. And it's sad that, you know, he's gets attacked by a dog and then she basically runs away and she's probably never going to see him again. So... I don't know. That's just the entire. Uh, there's a lot of things we could have done without this movie. I do like her in this role. I feel like she's very cringy. I kind of don't like her at the beginning. I don't know how you guys felt, but I had no no attachment to her. Her little stupid speeches at the beginning at the church and all that bullshit. Get the fuck out of here with that. Anyways, Adam, I can see you. <laughs> I know you were talking about like saved with this, and 
Yep. Yeah, just that kind of feel. But or yeah, just even more David Lynch or John Waters does save kind of thing. Like that's what that vibe felt like. It just felt exaggerated. And it kind of Well, like if you look at the timetable, like so Save came out in two thousand four, this came out in two thousand seven. Like inarguably that movie was a formative experience. And this just feels like a poor man's version of that. Like this isn't Mandy Moore throwing a Bible at somebody. So she's not but I mean I get it. It's not the, the satire here isn't about God. It's about the whole idea of abstinence. So I give it a little bit of a pass, but like if you're gonna keep going to that well, you're gonna have to have more content because I have something that was directly in that same realm and just inarguably better. That's my big problem with that. I get so frustrated when I watch that part because I'm just like, yeah, like there's nothing new here. The whole idea that you're repressed and you're just like parroting whatever the fuck. I don't know. Like, especially to have seen like Righteous Gemstone so recently and how like great you can do that kind of content. Oh, yeah. Just made this so tedious to me. Yeah. Oh, and then the Stepford children at the, at the later part where all of a sudden they're like chanting in unison. And it's like, okay, so I mean, I get that it's supposed to be a staunch contrast, but again, it's just, it's weird because then you are making the statement about religion. Is it about the people or is it about her? It gets a little too muddled for me. Yeah, the execution is just very foggy, very diluted in itself. It's trying to do too many things without being a main part of the film. Like they should have leaned into it more or just not done it. Agreed. 100%. And that's one of the things. Just if it's a short, you don't need it. You just move on, you know? Make the purity ring an afterthought. Just mention it. Make that a little detail that sows that seed in your mind. That's all you need kind of thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too, because the whole thing, you know, you could have made this movie without even the purity ring. You know what I mean? It's just maybe a girl coming into puberty. That's like all filler. What you said, uh, Adrian, about the cringiness of it. I'm not going to lie. Back when I grew up as a kid, I was forced to go to like these Catholic religious nutso schools. And uh, I did things like that with that stupid purity ring. Didn't last long, but you know what I mean? It's a uh, yeah, humble brag. Doug's had sex. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, no, what I'm saying is like, it's not necessarily about having sex. It's, it's more about like, we're going to, we're going to model you. So you don't have a personality of your own and we're going to stick you over here. So, you know, you can be a good little taxpayer in our Christian conservative community. And the thing is, it seemed cringy in the film, but that's really how it is in real life. And, and fuck it. If it's not culty like that, like where they're doing that chanting, uh, the word of God and all that. Yeah. yeah. So glad I left stuff like that. <laughs> and it's also weird because it doesn't depict her as being indoctrinated. You know, like her parents are like, oh, it's cute you do that. And there's no like external pressures and stuff. So if it is her want and desire, I mean, it's just, again, it gets this convoluted message because if you're talking about indoctrinating the youth and she herself is not indoctrinated, then it's not like a furthering of this idea. This isn't institutionalized. It's an isolated incident, right? But that's the thing. There's so little going on in this fucking movie that I'm allowed to sit there and extrapolate on nothing. Like, I shouldn't have opinions on this part of the movie because it just shouldn't be. It's useless. That's the whole David Lynch oh. angle I'm talking about. You know, I mean, a lot of Lynch is slow burn filler, but then it just so much of it is just contemplative. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, I give it a pass for certain parts like that, because like you just said, we're sitting here talking about it. So, I mean, it did something. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that her her whole trope of being a virgin and wanting to stay a virgin, I think it makes it that much more of an impact when she is raped because her sexuality is her choice. And because it's ripped from her, you see the change in this character. So this is where some of the nice parts of the movie are because you see the fact that 
this part of her has been taken. It, she did not. She did not consent to it. It's been taken from her. She had this whole, you know, choice in her mind that she wanted to live this particular life, and in you know one fell swoop, somebody ruined that, and it just ruined everything that she thought was true. So I really think that by making her a quote uh, wannabe virgin till I'm married or whatever they're called, purity makes us feel more for her especially when she's realizes that she's not pure anymore. It was taken. And I keep saying taken because I think that's the worst part. One of the second worst parts of the whole movie is when he, the way he rapes her and how it happens. And it's just, I gotta say it's like no disgusting. rape scene in film is ever comfortable, but this one is an exceptionally hard watch. I feel it's disgusting. What frustrates me is to your point, we're convoluting everything when it comes to her chastity. If it's her choice to be chased, that's good enough. That is severe enough. That that the same idea that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But when we portray her as being somewhat indoctrinated or brainwashed or something by this cultish mentality, to a certain extent, to break the cycle of her brainwashedness, she does have a definitive moment where she has a reprieve from all of that stress, and she's reflective about it. And she, you know, you could see when she's identifying with herself sexually that she's at least come to terms with, if not outright embraced, the lack of chastity. So it's almost like you're kind of rooting for what happens after. It's not, again, I think that it's way more earnest if it's her choice, she's chased, and then it gets taken from her rather than, oh, well, you know, you were repressed anyway. It's not that you chose it. It's just that you were a slave mentally. Yeah, I, I really think either that or it's it's all filler, obviously, at the beginning, especially when she meets the boy and then they have that whole conversation on the phone saying we don't need to be together, but then they end up in the woods anyway. Like all of that could have been cut. What was the point of them having that conversation? Because, you know, she's going to end up there with him anyway. So I don't know. Yeah, they're portraying these characters like as if you sort of kind of like, oh, that's cute. They want to be together. That's cute until he does what he does. It's the Sam and Diane. Will they, won't they? Will they, won't they? But I really hated it. I haven't even jerked off since February. It's so severe and awful. And the only thing that redeems that is when the crab is tap dancing on his severed cock later. Yeah, like, seriously, that's why I say, fuck these dicks, man. Every guy in this movie deserves it in spades. Like, they should grow an extra dick to be bitten off. Forgive the pun, but we're getting a little long in the tooth, feeding the shit out of this movie. I want to move on to Frankenhooker. So I, I have teased this for you guys in the chat. I have a bit of trivia. And it's the only thing that redeems this cringy movie that we're all kind of like, eh, about. This is the only movie in all of cinematic history where you can see a Ninja Turtle get four fingers chomped off by a tooth pussy. Josh Pace is Raphael from the first Ninja Turtles movie, my favorite iteration of the character, with such lines as, a Jose Canseco bet? Tell me you didn't pay money for this. <laughs> I do that. The only thing I love about this movie, because when he's sitting there going, I just imagined it with three fingers instead of four. That would have been amazing. <laughs> uh, what's he doing now? He does a lot of movies and TVs and shit. Like he's uh, his career like blew up recently doing character work. So. Uh, good job, Josh. If you ever want to be on the show, I'll suck your dick because I'm a big fan. Jake's doing that now, so that works out. <laughs> I'm a man child who's still obsessed with Ninja Turtles. Yeah, let's move on. Shall we move on to Frankenhooker? Because we have more positive things to say about it. Yeah, let's let's get happy about oh, a movie. Well, I know, but we didn't get into why she's femme fatale. Should we add that or no? Because she kills one guy in, inadvertently, I guess. 
To be fair, we did have a point we wanted to talk about, a the moment she became, you can pinpoint. You said one thing, I said another. When do you feel she became the femme fatale? When she threw the ring over the, the mountain. See, I think it's when she's straddling her brother and she says the two words, just wait. What? And then, boom, she's just a dick fighting. Yeah, that that just going on a revenge fucking... That was the point. It's when she changes. She's straddling the other guy and she consciously flexes her tooth pussy and bites his dick off because he's on the phone. Wait, Doug, do you have another one? Because it seems that we now have a three-way tie as far as when she becomes the femme fatale. It's when she's straddling that guy. He's like, she's like, he's like who is it? Uh, no, no, nothing, babe. I just made a bet that I would do uh, 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 to you. Now, whenever she gets pissed, that's when her uh, her teeth will come out. So, and, and there you go. And you could call this Wonder Woman 2007. <laughs> <laughs> Look out, boys. This kitten's got claws. Oh, a little bit more. So she basically utters a perfect catchphrase. Just wait. Like abstinence. But that it, it works on layers. Like, I don't know. It works to me. I like laughed when she said that shit. This isn't Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando letting off some steam, Bennett. It doesn't have to have a fucking quip to become a femme fatale. It's that moment, though. <laughs> that's the moment. I know. That's like, oh my God. Okay. okay. One last thing. I miss that we used to do the whole nickname things because I had the best one for the kid from Nip Tuck. I was going to call him Sugar Dick. Do you know why? Oh, uh, the cock ring so the dog could eat it. The prosthetic dick was sugar, so the dog, exactly. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, but but I I can give props to this film, too, because you could, I could smell that that guy's room, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, with the smell-o-vision card, like a John Waters film, like, you scratch here, smell this guy's, like, old, dirty, sock-smelled room. And tangy butthole. Tangy butthole. The the biggest thing I, I dislike, though, is the fact that... Every time they try to make a bad person in a movie, they always have to like be listening to metal, wearing black. They have all the shit in the room. Like, why is it always the same trope? Like, figure something else out. Like, not everybody who likes that. So, I mean, granted, he's disgusting. So I know he's probably, I don't know, whatever. Anyways, so yeah, femme fatale. I don't know if I, I necessarily would have pegged her as femme fatale until I watched this again. But she does come into her own. Whether we agree when she comes into her own is beside the point. We obviously have more of a consensus when it comes to Frankenhooker. So we can start with that. Yeah. Well, one thing I did want to add in there, too, about Femme Fatale, if she was to become a superhero for the Avengers or something, her name would be Heavy Flow. That's what I think. And it's pissed and it wants blood. Yours. But it's not her that's bleeding. It's the severed cock that she's holding inside of her, right? Anyway. I go, Adrian, are you going to recommend this episode to your mom or? No, no, no. Wow. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> that will stay off the, uh, me sharing the link to 50 people. She's definitely going to stay off to that list. So anyway, uh, Frankenhooker, a terrifying tale of sluts and bolts. Oh, that's original. When I saw that, I was uh, shaking my head like, what the fuck am I doing about to watch this movie? I was pleasantly surprised. I'm really glad that I watched it. You were given uh, magic. Magic, yes. I would say it was magic. Although, what's his name who plays uh, Jeffrey? He really reminds me of uh, Andrew McCarthy. Yeah, he reminds me of Andrew McCarthy for some reason. James Lawrence? I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, although Andrew McCarthy is better looking. I'll just say that. And he has better hair. But they like have the same face. 
But yeah. So this movie is a much worse movie financially. Shot on a budget of two and a half million dollars, made $200,000 at the box office. But obviously, like we're talking about, this was essentially a direct uh, VHS movie. And you guys are talking about various releases. Regale us. Yeah, yeah. So there's a um, there's a laser disc of it, and then there's two VHSs. There's a flat version. I happen to have just a basic pink flat version. And there's also one uh, that was big at blockbusters and video stores, and then people, kids would go in the horror section and play them over and over. It had a little button on there. You pressed it. Frankenhooker would light up, and she'd say, "Want a date?" <laughs> so you know what I mean, like, oh, "Mom great. and Dad, I want this movie." I need to find one of these. It's bucket list item. Yeah, they pop up on eBay. They're usually running about 70 bucks. So That's amazing. I keep my eyes on that sometimes. Uh, if you have one, slashespot at gmail.com. Same with Microwave Massacre. Microwave Massacre had a VHS where you can press it and it, it turns on the microwave light or something like that on the tape. So those are the only two I can think of that have music boxes on it. Yeah, we don't have that anymore, you know, because we don't have VHS. What's crazy, so the month this came out, April of 1990, this is only the second scariest film. Have you ever seen Space Invaders with those haunting fucking animatronic alien heads? I love that movie. It's so creepy, though. <laughs> I love it, but god damn it, those are fucking terrifying. They look like inverted green nut sacks with mouths. It's basically Invader Zim, the movie. Yeah, for sure. So many ways, mm -hmm. so many ways. Proto Zim. You can find it for free on YouTube. Mm, go watch it, it's great. So this movie, 85 minutes, the other movie, 88 minutes. This feels a century shorter. Completely. Oh, for sure. Uh, directed by one Frank Henenlotter, like we talked about. Basket Case. Oh, I love Basket Case. Brain Damage. He did the whole Basket Case trilogy, actually. Correct. I never said he didn't. I didn't say exclusively Basket Case 1, Adam. Boys, boys, this is not a pissing contest. <laughs> It could be. It really could. Because we can easily pull our genitals out of our pants, unlike some members of the show. Uh-oh. Please, please don't. <laughs> so, Adrian, I have to ask you, as a woman, how do you feel as far as the construct of this film? Because I, as a man, and I guess as an argumenter for life, can easily argue that this movie is much more empowering and has a much greater statement in terms of consent and all of these other things than teeth. When you juxtapose the two movies. Which do you as a woman think is more empowering? The, definitely this movie. Frankenhooker is definitely more empowering. It's amazing to me that it can be so exploitative and yet empowering. And does the fact that it's exploitative diminish the empowerment to you or is it kind of part and parcel? It doesn't diminish anything for me. And I think what really saves it is the interview on uh, that they're watching on TV with the woman trying to go through and legalize prostitution. And of course, the host of that show. Do you remember that part where they're watching the TV? Oh, yeah. And the prostitute is trying to. Her organization is called Hooker. Yeah, Hooker. And oh, my gosh, I wish I would have wrote that down because I'm like, this is so great. I can't even remember the acronym. We'll have to look that up. Yes. I don't even call this exploitative as much as I'd call it the perfect level of satire. And then that interview on the TV is just that just dose of realness. Like you think, oh, this is more satire. And then you see what's actually happening out there. And it's like, oh, fuck. This is a movie that lures you in under a premise of just silliness. But then you learn, you know, like this is a great movie to show somebody who is one of the more debased individuals, maybe somebody who's a bit of a misogynist, because this movie is informative of like the process and things that are still 30 years later, people are still going through. Oh, for sure. Still real. There's a whole commentary. 
the whole movie is a commentary uh, concerning, concerning women having control over their bodies. I mean, even from the very beginning when they are body shaming Elizabeth because she's, quote, overweight. And the fat suit that they put her in isn't even fat. And yeah. I'm just sitting here with my fat ass like, what the fuck? That blew my <laughs> mind when I read that fact. I was like, hold on, did she? And I had to go back and rewatch it because I didn't even notice. Um, she was penthouse yeah. centerfold yeah. three years earlier. And like they try to portray her as fat in just like this just frumpy outfit. And it's like, well, it's, it's disturbing. It was a fat suit. But remember back then, like, remember women didn't want to have a big ass, right? So, oh my, have a big yeah. ass. And so they just put a big ass on a white girl because th they assumed that that would make her look fat, right? And so obviously there's there's issues with some of the context of, you know, what's going on in the 90s and how, how things were back then, obviously. Because saying that she's fat and body shaming her throughout, and they even come back to that, which is so smart for so stupid of a movie sometimes like right? they come back to this with the bar pretzels yes <laughs> like that i think the level they go into it with that is like almost on par with just how much they go like the satire of the the crack epidemic and like how both were just products of the 90s mm -hmm. and like they were severe like looking back at this it's like wow people were like this people were fucked and that wasn't that long ago. What's amazing, Hidden Lauder will talk about in interview after interview that he like barely had a script, right? And this is a guy who's got co-writing credits with Bob Martin. And so what's interesting to me there is I think that you can draw a direct one-to-one -one, like satire to what was topical at the time because they're literally to a certain extent pulling like things out of thin air, which would be the crack epidemic and, and you know, things that I'm honestly a little surprised that they don't really get into the AIDS epidemic and bloodborne pathogens. I think that kind of helps this movie age a little bit better in terms of you know where we are now but it's an incredibly insightful movie now aid if i may uh when it comes to let's just go piecemeal i don't want to skip to the end because i think the end is a great button for the film do you like the fact that she basically has the bride of frankenstein like i didn't consent to be alive thing does she have that though so she comes back to life and she says it's amazing and then she realizes basically what she is and that she's not herself and she doesn't consent to having been alive. Okay. And I think that her repulsion from that very much mimics. I think it's obviously a clear yeah. it's Franken hooker. So Well, okay. I think it's that. She realized well, okay. at that point like what Jeffrey had yeah. done and like oh this is for him. This isn't me. Yeah, this isn't me. Um, I, I like how there's two variations of her waking up. And so I don't know if this really answers your question, but I really think that she was more in her own skin, sort of in a way, I guess, when she was like all the hookers and walking around the city. And then when she realizes that she did not consent to this. No, but then she says it is wonderful. So I, I don't know if, if she I don't know if she stays too long with the fact that she's upset that she didn't consent to this, because at some point she was like, this is wonderful. Why don't you do this for everybody? Isn't just after she bitched about the fact that it's not her hands? I can't remember. I literally just watched it like two minutes ago. <laughs> it's reversed because she says, yeah, you. she says that you could bring people back. And then she realizes she wasn't brought okay. back. She's reconstructed. And that's where she. Uh. And so one of the reasons I picked this for a femme fatale movie is I know that it's supposed to be that she's so sweet and loverly and she loves Jeffrey, right? But what I've always taken it as is her getting revenge on him. Oh. Where she's like, hey, you have tits now. That's my revenge because you made me... Because here's the thing. The fact is, he upgraded her for him. Yeah. He is a fucking pervert. He's a debate. He's not the hero of this. He's no. a man with literal brain damage who is an opportunist at the very least. 
Mm-hmm. And so major fucking incel energy. Exactly. And so when she does this to him, what does he talk about? The fact he doesn't have a dick anymore. And so it's literally to me, I've always taken it as like the best revenge, like one of those like almost the end of an 80s sitcom where everybody frees frames and you're like, yeah, that's how I like this ending. Yep. Yeah, and, well, yeah. and like you said too, I'm glad you mentioned that about uh, Jeffrey too. I felt he had like major incel energy, and uh, I don't know, like I felt like a little bit, um, like you said, brain damage. And then if he bent over and spread his ass open, there was probably a burger in there. So he may have Aspergers. You know, I, I just oh, what? <laughs> yeah. But uh, another thing I'd like to mention too about this film is that it felt like a, Ra- a live action Ralph Bakshi cartoon, something like Fritz the Cat. Oh, I could see that. So, for sure. and, and that was social commentary back in the 70s and this is kind of social commentary for the early 90s with the whole crack uh, epidemic and you know women using their bodies uh, as they wish it shouldn't be like you said on that talk show they had what are the guys say like what are they gonna do next is the government gonna give out free condoms and what are they gonna pay for hotels next what are they gonna do I'm like well all right yeah. <laughs> yeah they do that in amsterdam that they they should give out free con- i mean this is the, and this is another thing too with both movies is that women, you know, practicing their sexual agency, like they're vilified. And my my issue with that, obviously, as a woman, is that who fucking cares? Who's fucking who? Like, what does it matter? Why is it a big thing to to hold on to your virginity? Why is it a big thing to, to be chased? And he's yelling as he's killing the hookers inadvertently, right? Because, oh, he's got to be a hero because he changed his mind. Uh, he's yelling at them like, oh, don't do that. Your body wasn't made for that. You can't do that, blah, blah, blah. Like he's saying all of these disgustingly sexist things while they're smoking crack. And to me, I just he's not a hero. And he he definitely mimics Victor Frankenstein in some ways. And so if we're going to talk about, you know, the fact that this is, you know, sort of reaching and pulling from obviously Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Victor is the same way. He's a pompous asshole who wants to play God. And as a result, gets everybody killed. And Jeffrey is in the same vein. So I don't I, I see why he's like that. But it, it just shows you like it, it doesn't matter that this this film is a commentary that we're still going to have all these disgusting pigs. Hence today's world, obviously. So they're, they're alive and well and they're in positions of power. Uh, so <laughs> I just feel like it's it, it was very it, it really holds up well for its time. I don't know where I was going with that kind of just trailed off there. Sorry. These guys all get a comeuppance. Mm-hmm. You get to go home happy. Nobody gets out unscathed. Mm-mm. You got the pimp Zorro. He gets taken into that freezer and he, they get revenge. And it's not because he made them sexual which I think is important. It's because he exploited them for money and using a derisive methods with, you know, crack, which becomes super crack, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a huge distinction there. And so all the guys who victimize women or plan to become victimized themselves. And so even though you might be like a mutated torso with a, a mouth vagina, it still kind of has a feel good ending there, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I'm very satisfied with everything. And we'll talk about, so our penthouse centerfold, amazing. I loved everything she did in this movie. Patty, Patty Mullen is amazing. Yeah. Like, I want to see her as Elizabeth did, like, everything. Just, like, everything she did. Her movements, just the, the facial contortions, they're, like, my favorite. It's just so animated mm-hmm. and done so perfectly. And, like, fun fact, her shoes that she wore, um, they didn't really have those big platforms back then. Uh, the, the FX oh. department built those for her, but one pair was actually built with uneven soles. Or she did that staggered date, and that wasn't even like her choosing to do that. So <laughs> I thought that was a really cool touch. Just it, it, I love the character so much. 
like I said, I'm thinking about doing a big pinup piece on my forearm. And uh, yeah, that's that's going to happen soon because she's a great character. She's quotable, too. You know what I mean? You want a date going out looking for some action? Jersey boys here. Oh, and, and we didn't even get to talk when, when she picks up George Costanza off the street. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. That's one of my favorite effects in the movie when she's holding his head and he's just like, that was like, wonderful. Oh, that, that, that was yeah. wonderful. Well, he had a good time. So good for him. <laughs> Yeah, he had a good time. But uh, I want to say, too, about the whole hotel thing. Like, even though this one's more lighthearted comedy than than Hedden Lauder's other films, he still gets that really sweaty, grimy, sleazy, like cruising atmosphere down of New York. You get that seedy motel uh, with yep. that, with with Zorro. And then uh, it's just everything looks so rotten. And even though there's like this film's really bloodless pretty much. Um, but you still get uh, the super like realistic looking crack smoking scenes. Uh, you get the really dingy like New York. Uh, everything just looks dingy. And that's rare for like an early 90s film. Like a lot of like with dare programs and stuff in school. A lot of films are this one had uh, the cajones to show uh, and, and make comedic scenes of crack smoking. <laughs> This was old New York. This is like one of those last movies that showed like the old, just like porno theaters in fucking Times Square. Taxi driver. Yep. Exactly. This was like for this movie to come out in 1990. This is like the last film to show New York like that. I feel even his fucking car is old. It's like a 70s, you know, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what do you not noir, but just like a grit crime. Did film. the car not give yeah. you guys the feel of uh, Ash's car from Evil Dead? It did. Yeah. Mm hmm. Good, I'm not the only one. Funny enough. Also, the trailer for the Evil Dead uh, game dropped, so let's include that metadata in this shit. Oh. Oh, man, I'm excited for that. Another thing, too, like, like with, with this film, it just really felt like Frank Henlotter, I don't know if you guys know, but he co-creator of that Something Weird uh, films production, and uh, they released a lot of, like, Herschel Gordon Lewis's films, like the early 70s pornos and stuff like that, like like Bat Pussy, Baby Bubbles, and uh, you know, all these are, like, really sleazy 70s uh, 42nd Street films. So he was a big fan of that, and I feel like that really showed inspiration in his films that he did, especially like pretty much all of them. But Basket Case really held it, and I felt I'm like, man, this feels like a sleazy '70s, uh, you know, street in New York, and you know that's probably because the films he grew up watching. Oh, exactly. He talked about that, like he would ditch school and he would go and he would see how many movies he could see in a day, and he didn't give a shit if it was a sex flick, if it was sci-fi, if it was horror. It was just that it was like trash cinema. So he's actually been in a few documentaries just. Or his expertise in the genre and it's just like a fascinating guy and like it's so interesting to me that you know herschel gordon lewis obviously was like yeah a revolutionary for trash cinema and then you have this guy picking it up and running with it and i like based on this movie based on at least at the very least the first basket case i you wish that he just had more of his own work instead mm-hmm. of becoming basically a historian for most of his career yeah, he's got a bunch of stuff like that own company with something weird. And then another fun fact, too. You know, this is Bill Murray's one of Bill Murray's favorite films. Best of the 90s. He said, if you yep. see only one movie this year, make it Frankenhooker. Absolutely. And it should have been. This is the best movie of 1990, except for Ernest Goes to Jail. I don't know. Best movie. The best movie of 1990. What else came out the same year? Tales from the Dark Side. Cry Baby. That's all you got? No, I like Cry Baby. That was just the month of. Those are the only other things. Oh, oh so you're, yeah, because you were looking in April, right? Yeah. So I'm doing the U. Well, technically, Tales from the Dark Side was May, but whatever. I'm doing the USA release. So the USA release was June 1st, and Gremlins 2, the new batch, and Robocop 2 both came out that month. So I was just really shocked that you said that. But I will add the caveat of April because there's nothing that beats Gremlins 2, the new batch. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, Gremlins 2 is just trolling. Bef- like, basically, uh, Joe Dante trolled the system before trolling was a thing. Hell yeah, and it's why it's perfect. And I will not accept a naysayer. See, and- this movie, like New Batch, I feel was super meta, super ahead of its time, yeah. and really did it well. Like I was saying, I, I put this up there with Return of the Living Dead. Like, it's just, I feel this movie's quintessential. More people need to know about this movie. More people need to see this movie. This needs yep. to be on a lot more people's watch list. You know, it deserves it. It's going to be weird. But, you know, you had compared it to Return of the Living Dead. I would compare this to something like Idle Hands, where it's like people just kind of dismiss it. <gasps> oh, as that, oh, I love that. Yeah, it's that movie with the hand. And it's like, no, there's, this is a good movie. What the fuck? Like, come on, guys. It's so good. Jessica Alba, Devin Sawa. Like, come on. You see oh, Dexter Holland Scout. <laughs> <laughs> So, I, yeah, I agree. I feel like it, it kind of leaps genres, too. I feel a lot of people that who don't traditionally watch horror would actually really enjoy this film as well. So Very much so. It's like what you were saying about the director skipping school to go see all of these films, like the sex films, the sci-fi films, the horror films. It's so many of those things just wrapped up in this comedic bow, and it's, it's brilliant. 100%. And, like, when it comes to the special effects... Like the super crack explosion scene shows you, I think that is a very concerted effort to make sure that it does not lean too far into horror to an extent where it's overly visceral or violent. Earlier in the film, when she is inadvertently run over with the remote control lawnmower, there is a splatter of blood. Yet, all of the explosions are bloodless. I think that is a very point and perfect way of doing that to make sure that this doesn't get to the point of view and also it's not like mean-spirited it's tackling themes and institutional issues that are mean-spirited and like of their nature but there isn't that like gross scene in a cave where a dude is hitting a girl's head on a rock you know like this is not that and it so easily could have been with the subject matter which is one of the things like dude this movie hits it like this is an all-killer no-filler movie for me yeah, just leans into the camp and just really knocks it out of the park. And, and what's crazy, too, is that this movie is, is you know, only eight, what is it, 82 minutes? And it's so entertaining because Frankenhooker, uh, she doesn't come out until 57 minutes into the film. Yep. So Third it's like act. you're getting this buildup. And, and then when she actually comes out and you're enjoying it even more. So it's like, man, the time just flew on this film. And what's crazy is she gets a great story arc with such a little amount of time, mm-hmm. you know, because she has the very uh, disjointed which is actually kind of funny when you think of the way she's constructed where she's you know coming out and she's just like fire bad and then you get the humanity of it it's such a fun juxtaposition <laughs> uh, elizabeth's just her whole chunk in the movie when she comes back it's it's hands down the best part of the film too it just it builds it just ends completely awesome no Adrian, as a woman, again, I'm going to keep going back to this because I think this is important. And I, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I really like having you around. I really enjoy your perspective. <laughs> but I think it's fair because I think that horror can be very exclusionary to people who are uninitiated. It, it can be a huge step for somebody to try and get into something, right? Like, for instance, there's 17,000 Final Fantasy games. I've never played one of them. So I'm certainly not going to jump in at 17,000. So I'm just not going to get into that daunting undertaking. And so to make things accessible, when you see a movie like Teeth, which has a certain degree of pomp and circumstance versus Frankenhooker, which do you think is more accessible as a woman? (sighs) Okay. God, that's a that's a really loaded question. As a woman, it really is. They're both sides of the bonkers spectrum, I feel. Exactly. 
Oh God. I, yeah, I don't know if I could choose one that's more accessible. I, I feel like, I feel like teeth is more triggering, very triggering for a lot of uh, women. And so I would not recommend that particular movie to anybody, honestly. Uh, this movie, I think, is more... Yeah, so Frankenhooker, honestly, would just be more accessible as, as the fact that you can sit and enjoy it and still get the message that it has and not have to feel those triggers either because mm-hmm. you don't see anyone really being exploited in the way that Dawn is in Teeth. And I think that's important to, to talk about, too, because when you're watching... Essentially, Teeth is a rape revenge film. And, you know, we've talked about this before where I can't I hate those movies. And there are movies in times where, you know, for example, American Mary, you know, Canadian Mary, she's assaulted at the beginning. uh, But she's not it. That's not the feature. They don't show her really being raped. I mean, she's drugs and you just you kind of put the pieces together so that I can watch. Right. I can't watch when you explicitly have to show me how these women are being assaulted because one, I feel that I feel like we can get the gist of it and move on to, to what we're trying to get to without having to exploit that part of it. And two, I also feel that with Frankenhooker, these women all have their own sexual agency just because they're hookers. Does not make them any less of women? They're using their bodies, but they're still making money. They're still able to do what they want. And all this profession, yeah. And, and honestly, who fucking cares if somebody wants to be a sex worker? Like, and I love the fact that Frankenhooker like delves into to sex work and to drugs, because honestly, it's nobody's like these are things that the law should not be involved in because we see what's happened with the war on drugs. Nancy Reagan's fucking bullshit. We've seen what's happened. You can watch. There's a whole Netflix documentary on why, you know, drugs should just be legalized versus what's going on now because of all the people being exploited as a result and the same thing with sex work. And it just makes no sense to me if, if this is what somebody wants to do, what fucking difference does it make in the eighties? They were scared of AIDS and whatnot. Um, now we understand it better. And I think that it's, I think that Frankenhooker is more accessible than teeth. Sorry. <laughs> That's my spiel. Well, also this goes to a second point because uh, one of the things I feel like is that if Frankenhooker with the name, can be alienating because I don't know that many women would see that and go, oh, this is inherently empowering. But I think that the quote unquote like artistic presentation, like the very subdued poster for teeth where she's in the bathtub and it's got the as far as that by comparison, do you think that the way that they are presented, not the subject matter after? So let's just take the veneer. Do you think that it's more accessible to have teeth, which is more artistic and in comparison to Frankenhooker, which is completely almost antagonistically overt? Uh, oh my gosh, why are you giving me these hard questions? Because now that you're presenting it to me that way, I could see why teeth would be more accessible in that respect, obviously. And not only that, but... Well, I'm, root- I'm rooting for your answer because that was big words. What is this, PBS? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it can be alienating because I know there's tons of movies that I've enjoyed. Like, look at Blood Diner, for Christ's sake. Blood Diner is a boring-ass name for how great of a movie that is. It's not... Like, Blood Buffet... For instance, which is almost one of the names of it, because it was the sequel to Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Feast, that has a certain degree. Blood Diner has this quaintness and retro chic to it where I'm like, eh? But then I saw it and I was like, this blows my fucking mind. And so there's so often, especially in horror, where sometimes you can be surprised even with a cover like this, which is just so heavy handed. Yeah, I the whole Frankenhooker, the fact <laughs> 
<laughs> the fact that they're saying Frankenhooker, obviously, it, it makes sense because it, it flows, right? So a Franken prostitute doesn't have the same. <laughs> Je ne sais quoi. Yeah. <laughs> My shitty French. So, you know, I just feel like, um, obviously, that that I feel like the title could possibly turn, especially a lot of women off. I would just think that throw this movie away is, is like a bullshit. And I don't want to say B movie. I don't think it's B movie, but just like bullshit comedy, horror comedy, whatever crap. And so I feel that a lot of women would just throw that away. And I, I'm here to tell the women of, you know, the world listening to slashers podcast that now please don't turn this one away. Because honestly, I feel that the women, especially with Elizabeth, they have more of a comeuppance in Frankenhooker versus Teeth in a way, because in Teeth, she's still sort of feeling her way around. So if we go with Adam's theory that that's when she comes into her own, that's at the end of the fucking movie and then the movie's over. So it's like, what the fuck was the point of that, right? Yep. She doesn't get the the true revenge. I don't know. I just, I feel like Frankenhooker is more satisfying. I definitely think it's more accessible. Honestly, you can watch it on YouTube, accessible in the literal sense of the term. Yeah, right? Right. So, For free I, with no <laughs> ad interruptions. <laughs> exactly. The, yeah, the best thing, too, it's fun. Yeah. Like, it's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. You're at, like, I had a blast watching it by myself. I'm like, ah! So, I'm going to watch yeah. it again after this. Just saying. I mean, I watched it, and this is terrible to say, but I watched it on my lunch break and into my planning period. I just had it out on my phone. I'm like, oh, this is great. And like Doug said before, and I'm, I think the other the, you other two have to touch on it as well, that it didn't feel very long either. Like Teeth felt, I took two days to watch, to rewatch Teeth. I watched yeah. it for the first hour. And what do we say? 36 minutes until that part. And then after she gets raped and all of that, I had to, I had to take a break because I'm like, yep. oh, this is getting the exact same. Oh, it's too much. And then, you know, it's so painful. Teeth yeah, is very talking. heavy topic with heavy presentation. Frankenhooker is mm-hmm. like Pee-wee's Playhouse of Porn presentation of some heavy issues. Like it's arguably heavier, fun. right? Which is crazy. Exactly. Exactly. These are like mm-hmm. fucked up, like drugs, just like the way women are just so abused on every Commoditized, level. Commoditized, yeah. Exactly. And but yeah. he delivers it with a spoonful of sugar. Oh, exactly. Like like when Zero's downstairs, like, where are my girls? Zero, sugar, monkey, honey, what are you doing? What the hell was that? Like, he has the best line delivery, too. Like, you know what I mean? It's, like, quotable. This is, like, perfect midnight movie sleaze. It really is. And it, it's, like, I, I don't know how this movie isn't just so much more widely renowned. Like I say, what, how I was comparing it to Return of the Living Dead, everyone knows Return of the Living Dead. Like, this should be that level of just cult phenomena. Here you go. So if we had done Return of the Living Dead and we called it like Trash's sex romp in the graveyard, I think a lot of people get turned off by that. Like, I, let's all go through off the top of your head. Can you think of any better name for this movie than Frankenhooker, which can to a certain extent be alienating? No, it's perfect. Rasta bruising. I don't know. You could probably do a play on something Mary Shelley or Percy, even Percy Shelley related, like something because they do little nods to Frankenstein. And obviously I, I love Frankenstein. It's one of my favorite books. His last name, Franken and stuff. Yeah. And his, yeah. And her name is Elizabeth Shelley. Duh. So I, obviously there are little nods to it. Frankenhooker, I feel like was good at the time because you had all of these uh in the same proximity as like Porky's and Animal House yeah. and all that bullshit, right? So you had to have a funny little quippy name so that people would go see it. And and obviously Bill Murray is all about it, right? So there you go. Only other thing I'd call it would be John Waters Reanimator. <laughs> yeah, if, if it were up to me, I would do like 
fiance of Franken or something like that as a pun on like bride of Frankenstein, but it, even that it's not good. It, it won't cat. It won't turn eyes. What, what's crazy to me is like you said, with a name this heavy handed and this overt, while it's alienating to let's say 51% of, you know, the general population. The fact is, I don't know many guys who go for the sleaze either, which I think this, it's a lot of fun because I think that to a certain degree, like this is a movie where if you rented it from Blockbuster, you'd want it in a brown paper bag and you want to hide it under your sweatshirt as you walk out. When in actuality, you're like, no, dude, like this is totally rad. These chicks get revenge and they gang fuck a guy to death. So I'd be remiss if I didn't do this. I think I think that we need to have a femme fatalist, if you will. So how does this movie compare with Return of the Living Dead Part 3 with Julie or Ginger from Ginger Snaps? Do you think that either Dawn or Frankenhooker uh, reigns supreme at this point? I'm going to say Elizabeth is my favorite. She just, it, she massacres motherfuckers. It's great. I agree. I'm going for Julie still, but I like her look better. They're similar. I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's a tie because Julie and Elizabeth are pr- very similar. Um, They even do the same thing. It's like, why? Exactly. Why did you create me? I didn't want to come back. Um, but I just feel like, like Julie is more, um, depressing. Yes. Like after you watch the movie, you don't feel fun. Like I was, I was having a few, a few things to drink watching Frank. And I was having a blast by myself. I was going along with the lines <laughs> in the movie and like what she, whenever she goes like, want a date. And the best thing too, is like when she's in that subway and she's just sitting there and that, that kid's like, uh, uh, he's like just sweating profusely. It's hilarious. And you know what I mean? With, with, with alcohol or smoke a joint or something before it, it's, it's, it's hilarious. It's just so much fun. It's so much fun. Elizabeth is fun. So I, I definitely pick her um, for the top of the list. And then Julie. I think that's fair. Okay. So, yeah. No, if we're going to talk about fun movies, then yes, Frankenhooker slash Dawn is more fun. Yes, I agree with you there. But go ahead. What I want to hear what Jake has to say about Ginger, a.k.a. Canadian Mary. Oh, I just think that Ginger's just fine. Like, she's just okay. So I would do the hierarchy, Frankenhooker, Julie, Ginger, Ginger. then Dawn. I think that that's appropriate. Um, I don't think that Dawn is as good in the criteria. And there's a certain lack of oomph to her that is a little frustrating. She's still, even by the end, she's still being victimized. So you don't get as much retribution there. And then like Ginger, it's kind of hard because she dies. So it's just like, eh, like that. it's a little bit of, of a damp fart. So um, <laughs> yeah, I think that honestly though, uh, if to be perfectly fair, Frankenhooker predates Julie by three years. So the fact of like any improvement that you see in prostheses and everything, also budget, also it's an established franchise. This movie does a lot when it's basically the prototype without any metadata or anything existing. There's no built-in audience here. Uh, so that's another reason why I give her the lead. So so make sure you tune in next week so that you can see who is the femist of the fatalist. Are we going to tell them what we're doing? Because I have a lot of movie watching to do. <laughs> I'll tell them this. It's going to be the first one that's not sexually charged this month. <laughs> well, I will hope not. <laughs> but yeah, our Patreon bonus is going to have a, a plethora of fun femme fatale that we just want to sort of pepper in. So. so everybody, pop quiz. First person to answer this correctly gets a high five from Jake when quarantine's over. Uh, My hand will, of course, be drenched in Purell. Does anybody know where to purchase Slashers Podcast merchandise? Slasherspod.redbubble.com And does anybody know where people can rate, review, and subscribe to us? Mm. You you can go from uh, our Instagram at Slasherspod. Uh, at Insta, and then you could also go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Pandora, all those good places. Look us up, leave us a review, comment, like, and subscribe. Uh, and we're, 
And does anybody know where they could find each host on social media? Well, you can find me at pathologicallyade on Instagram. I'm at otherboy underscore art on Instagram. And I'm at Doug Bizarro on Instagram. You can also look me up on Facebook too, but that's for, those are boomers. So just join me on Instagram. (laughs) Same. That's where the cool shit happens. (laughs) You can find me at Gacy Jones or just the general Slashers pod at virtually everywhere. You can also email the show at slasherspod at gmail.com and reach out to us. We love the feedback. We love the recommendations if it's at all possible. Uh, Also, I don't know if people know this. You can buy an episode at a certain tier on Patreon. So if there's something where you're like, I want them to do this, but it's too obscure, it'll never happen, you can do that. And we will do the episode. And I think that we have to. It doesn't make any sense to me how nobody's taken us up on that. We're ready to work for you and not in a a sexually explicit way, but in any other way, shape or form. I work hard (laughs) for the money. I am. So hard. Yeah, we'll do stuff for you. I have no dignity anymore. But uh, yeah, if if you do do that, maybe they'll send us like a link to like, okay, I want you to watch this this Japanese snuff film. Uh, what's it called? Women's Flesh, My Red Guts. So you know, what? I mean, maybe that's why they don't donate the movie for us to do. When you said no dignity, I thought I thought of no dignity <laughs> about the bag. Sorry, so. Uh, <laughs> My brain is gone. Please, we all puppets now. Please do not try and pay us to watch a snuff film because I will make Adam do it and I'm not going to do it on my own. So there. Uh, <laughs> make Adam do it. He'll watch anything. My eyes just start bleeding. <laughs> it's because you you want you smoke the most weed of anybody I know, so you can at least float through it on a little green cloud. Yeah, I'm at least seventy percent marijuana, so that that makes it cushier, I guess. <laughs> Cush here. Eh, like a cush ball, like Rosie O'Donnell used to shoot at her guests. I got the pun. <laughs> Send us homemade. Well, you know, I guess this brings us to the end of our episode. So this is Adrian on behalf of Doug, Adam, and our lovely Jake saying goodbye and good die. Good eye, Mike.